Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. This morning, we're going to talk about imitating dad. Nope. We're going to talk about imitating God on Father's Day. How wonderful is that? And you know what? This is like an R-rated service for religious people. No, I'm not kidding you. It is a restricted service for religious people because religion hates to hear, you know what's sad? The Bible. God's word. And listen, I get it because I've been there, done that. I know how we can have these beliefs and these preconceived ideas and these these feelings and these thoughts of what the Bible is and what the Bible says. But then all of a sudden we start seeing it and it starts being opened up to us and we start realizing, wow, there's a whole lot of things, a whole lot of things I thought were true. They're not. They're not. And I remember many of the little things that um, I, I learned as I was on my, on my journey to where I'm at now and how many times I've heard a pastor say, you know, this isn't scriptural. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I thought it was always in the Bible. And they would prove that it wasn't in the Bible. The three kings that we, we had in my Christmas tree and we had it out in the front of our yard growing up, even though we weren't Christians. And all of a sudden I hear, there were no three kings. I'm like going, what? You got to be kidding. That's not the Bible. You don't have the right Bible. There are three kings. No, there isn't. Now, if you want to believe there were three, no problem. No problem at all. There were three gifts. Oh, and by the way, it wasn't at the manger. That's all I see. The three kings, the manger, the, the animals, little drummer boy. He wasn't even there. That was my whole belief of Christmas. And then I realized the, the three kings that aren't the three kings showed up at Jesus' house, not the manger. And even now I could tell people going, wait a minute, you're, you're getting weird, Pastor. No, this isn't in the Bible. What I'm talking about is in the Bible. What we thought was, wasn't. How many other beliefs Come on now. I don't, I don't find this threatening. I find this life-giving. Yes. How many other beliefs do I have that they are not in the Scripture? How many thoughts? How many, how many uh, 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 different ideas do I operate in that aren't even connected to God or Jesus? And that's what our journey is about, making sure we don't stay connected or committed to things that aren't in the scripture. And this is a good thing, guys. This is very good because I want the truth. There's nothing wrong with that. I want the truth. And there's a lot of truth in front of me that I don't know yet, but don't worry about it. I'm on a journey and I'll continue to move forward. Listen, we've all been through messes. We've all been through trip-ups. We've all been through hiccups. We've all been through mistakes and failures and sin and problems. We've all gone through it. You can't sit in here or stand in here or sit out there or stand out there and say, you've never had any problems. You've never done anything wrong. That's not true. You know it. What is the truth? The truth is, is you're going to stay in it or you're going to get out of it. That's the truth. And I choose to get quicker out than stay longer in. 
That's a good one. Quicker out than stay longer in. Amen? Y'all agree with me. Everybody agree with me on this? All right. So let's look at Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse 1. It says this in the message. Watch what God does, then do it. Like children have learned proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. Oh my gosh, I love this. Extravagant love. How beautiful is that? He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Man, that's powerful. Love like that. Isn't that the kicker? What I just read, and then God goes, love like that. You know what? That's impossible on our own. That's impossible in our own abilities. That's what you have to get hold of. If you can't get hold of that truth, you've already stopped your journey. You've got to understand, there's a lot of stuff in here that you can go, I, I, I could never do that. I don't know how. And guess what? That's true. It, those are true statements for you at the place where you're at. But the key is to understand those aren't, those should never be permanent statements. They're all subject to change. That'd be me like opening a, 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 a textbook on trigonometry. I don't know anything about trigonometry. I know a few different understandings of it, especially when it has to do with uh, like scripture. You look in Genesis and the creation, uh, there's some facts on trigonometry there. Uh, blowing your mind right now, aren't I? But the point is, is trigonometry is something I don't understand. And if I open it up, I'd go, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't agree with it. I, I, it would freak me out. So I've just closed it and thrown it aside as if it's not real or true. But those that understand it know it's real and know it's true. And it's important. Actually, trigonometry helps you understand the dimensions. Uh, I don't want to go too deep. Let's keep moving on. All right. So in, the, in Ephesians 5.1, it literally says this in the Greek language. Mimates, mimates. And what that, what that means is imitate. We get the word, the English word imitate. And what God is saying in his word, we are to imitate God. That's pretty bold, isn't it? And guess what? If you don't have your Bible, or if you don't see it in the Bible, or if you've never seen it in the Bible, that statement freaks you out. But guess what? It's in there. Imitate God. Imitate God. Woo! Now, how does that, why does that freak people out? Well, first of all, with the religious foundation, you don't even grasp family understanding. This is all a works and legalistic picture for you. So you don't have this picture of we are one with the Father. We are in Christ. We are his children. I'm a son of God. Daughter, you're a daughter of God, son of God. We are in this intimate, close relationship with Father in heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ, which he chose to make a way for us to have. But in religion, you're blocked off from understanding that. It's all about, you better watch it. He's about to kick you out. 
If you do anything wrong, if you do it more than three times, boom, you're gone. And there's this legalistic view in these works and these laws that also start defining God, listen to me, more like Satan. That isn't it. If you don't believe me, read the Gospels and hear how the Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees talk to Jesus and how Jesus talked to them and then come back and talk with me. These are truths, amen? 2 Peter 1.4, here's one that's gonna really get you. I don't, listen, like I said, this is R-rated. You might wanna turn this off right now. Unless you're a follower of Jesus and you're like going, give it all, I want it all. Then we're good place, all right? Ready? By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these exceeding great and precious promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature of God. Partakers of what? God's nature. Let that sink in a little bit. What is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying something actually very simple if we don't complicate it. Because we all understand this in natural common sense principles. I'm born on this earth. What do I do? I imitate my father, my parent. I imitate. I take on their nature. I'm a human being. Are you guys getting this? And so we go, yeah, of course, right. We got that. Exactly. That's what this is about. God isn't exempting or putting aside life or how we live life. He created it. He created this. And this is a natural truth that 100% follows the spiritual truth. So let's follow this and let's get a hold of this because listen, again, you might be going, I thought this was Father's Day. It's still Father's Day. But this word is for us with an emphasis on dads. Because what I'm seeing, especially in the church, and even recently, is the tendency for dads, born again dads, not following Jesus, but following world patterns now. Not putting the kingdom of God first, but actually second, third, fourth, fifth. Everything else prioritized. Everything, but not his kingdom. You might be thinking, wait a minute, I thought, I thought they were believers and they, they, they go to church. Yeah, see, that, that's how everybody is. We have a choice today. And, and listen to me carefully. That negative choice, if it is not taken care of, becomes amplified the second time. And that negative choice again becomes amplified the third time. See, it isn't the first bad decision. It becomes the third, the fifth, the 30th, the hundredth bad decision amplified. No bad decision stays just level of bad. A bad decision starts out of, they all know this. Everybody in here understands this. We've been through this journey, level one, and then all of a sudden we end up in level 10. We're going, how the heck did I get here? Oh my gosh. Oh, God doesn't love me anymore. You just missed church this one day because of the Super Bowl. 
No, I mean, that's what some people do. They'll, they'll do it. Hey, hey, you don't hear nothing from this pulpit going, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. So when you miss two, you go to hell. But anyway, no, do you hear what I'm saying? In, in other words, this one, if it isn't taken care of, hey, that was just a special thing. I don't do this. It, I, 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 it, it was fine at the time, but I felt like, ah, man, I should be in church. But it's all good. It's all good. No condemnation. Exactly. But the second week was, ah, oh, man, Pro Bowl's on. Or, ah, oh, man, it's a good day for golfing. And all of a sudden, another day. And all of a sudden, we see, keep amplifying excuses, excuses, excuses. And we start, this is, the, this is the dangerous part, reasoning the excuses. And where do we find ourselves? Very distant. The sad thing is people that are in this position, they don't want to be truthful and acknowledge they are far from God. They want to just be the Facebook belief. Oh, you know, I walk on water. I don't, I don't spend time with the Lord. I don't read. I don't pray. I don't, I don't have my relationship with God, but I walk on water. That's the fakeness of religion. And the truth is, is if you get off, get back on. That's simple. That, it's not difficult to understand that. But religion creates the difficulty in this. Not truth, religion does. And I want us free. And only truth, follow me, because some of you stop right there. Only truth and applying the truth can set you free. Truth on itself will never set free. It gives you availability but it'll never set you free. It's like a, a marriage or life in general or even anything. You get a truth and that truth is, I get it, I understand it. But if you never operate in it, it will never help you. If you get a truth of how to be a better husband, a truth to be a better wife, a truth to be a better son or a daughter, you get that truth and you never operate in it, it doesn't benefit. So a truth by itself it's just information. Oh my gosh. Are you guys hearing me? You guys are awful quiet in here on Father's Day. There should seem to be some groaning, some err, you know, burping or whatever. Let's move on. So even, even uh, Paul said this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I, I think it's chapter 1, he said this. Mimic me, follow me as I mimic, imites Christ. And what he was saying is, is listen, listen to what I'm saying and how I'm doing it. Follow that. Imitate it like you would a father, like you would your parent. Imitate it. And by imitating that understanding, that action, you're entering into a whole different level of life. We have a problem because that's a church statement, but I'm, I, I, I need you to set you free. It's a life statement. You all have lived this and no one on this planet has never not lived this unless you are born in this world and kept alone, which you will die. So it's impossible. Well, what if you're adopted? It, you will be imitating someone else. But you will imitate. Y'all do. Everybody does. Everybody imitates. All you have to do is look out there and all you see it, you see it by the thousands, imitation. Not a negative or a positive, unless you're imitating positive or you're imitating negative. 
But imitation is a natural principle that's throughout the earth, no matter where you live. What does that mean? It means this is a spiritual truth first. Then it becomes a natural principle. And this is a spiritual truth for us to understand. We have a difficulty in it because we see this God, this, this father up there in Jesus as something untouchable, unattainable. But the truth is, is this is why Jesus came. So you can grasp and understand, no, he's touchable, he's relatable, he's hangoutable, and that is the father. What? I thought you were talking about Jesus. Exactly. I'm talking about Jesus who said, I only do, I only say, I only act the way the Father does. Oh my goodness! Are you guys getting this? John 5.20, listen to this. Jesus said to the Jews, I can guarantee this truth. The Son cannot do anything on his own. He can do only what he sees the Father doing. Indeed, the Son does exactly what the Father does. I just don't see God. Then you better look at Jesus. I see God in this way. Then you better look at Jesus. Because this is the difficulty of this whole thing. We have a, a shaded, a, a, a wrong picture of the Father. We have a religious one most of the time. He's the one that brings hurricanes and tornadoes. He's the one that judges nations with, with diseases. He's the one that causes earthquakes and tsunamis to wipe out people. And that's what religion does. It creates this picture of a mean God, which by the way is unscriptural, not backed by the Bible, but that's been painted for thousands of years. Are you guys getting this? So I understand how we can come into this with this wrong view, but we have this thing called the Holy Bible. This thing that was given to us by God. And it reveals truth. And you don't have an excuse anymore. I don't believe anybody on this world does. I believe the Bible's been everywhere. Even in the jungles of the deepest, darkest places, they've seen a Bible. And I think it's time to realize that we can't keep operating in this ignorant state or deceptive state of religion, but start looking at truth and letting this truth be able to give us the opportunity to be free, to be free in every area of our lives. That's what God wants you to be free. Because if you don't allow this word to enter into your life, you can never imitate his ways, imitate the way he thinks, imitate the way he views, imitate the way he feels. Because I can tell you right now, if we get just a little bit of that working in us, we're gonna be pretty awesome, yes. right? Right? And I guarantee you, everybody in here can go, let me see, if this person was a more like Jesus, woohoo, it'd be awesome. We can always point at everybody, right? If my boss was just a little more like, if my dad was just a little more like, if my mom, if my uncle, if my aunt, if, if the police, if the person down the street, if the neighbor, if they're a little bit like Jesus, they wouldn't let their dog bark all the time. 
I mean, excuse me. Are you guys hearing me? We'd all say that. There's a plus to it, correct? Y'all agree out there? Is there a plus to it? Certainly there is. So Jesus said, listen, I'm going to only do what the Father does. Remember when he told Thomas? He said, Thomas, listen. You want to see the Father? Look at me. Remember what I did. Because he who sees me sees the Father. Amen? The words of Jesus. And we got to pay attention to these words, do we not? Amen. Okay. Verse, John chapter 8, starting in verse 28. So Jesus said, when you have killed the Messiah, then you will realize that I am he and that I have not been telling you my own ideas, but have spoken that the father taught me. He who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me for I always do those things that are pleasing to him. Then many of the Jews who heard him say these things begin to believe in the Messiah. Jesus said to them, you are truly my disciples if you live as I tell you to, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. In the Greek language, it literally says this, and you shall know the truth. That means gnosko. It's the process of learning the information. You will take in the information and in taking in the information, you will apply the truth and it shall make you free. Receive the information, apply the information, creates the freedom. Is that not how we operate in life right now in everything? I don't know how to use this computer. Receive the information. Oh, okay, it's push that button. Apply the information. And it starts up. You have mail. You may think, why would he say that? Because that was my first experience with a computer and I was looking at it like it was a monster. Like, why isn't it turning on? And why isn't it doing what it should be doing? And I didn't know anything about computers. So I had to start with turn on computer. Where do you turn it on in? I don't even, where, how, where's the switch? I didn't know. And had to open the little booklet. It showed, it's on the side there. Okay, look at the side and there's push. 30 minutes later, it turns on. I had a fast computer. Fast. If you didn't have, if you didn't get in the beginnings of this thing, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I stared at a blank screen waiting for something to load up. And you guys today, it's, you're doing that and freaking out at 38 seconds, 38 minutes. Try that. I can go to lunch, come back and it'll, uh, the word will finally pop up. All right, you guys are looking at me like, that was Jurassic Park days. Matthew 3.13. Let's look at some information that will show us how to become more like Jesus. Now, Father's Day, I want you to understand something. This being in the Word of God, I want to emphasis on this position of a dad. Dads are very important in life. 
dads are very, very, very important in structure of home. And statistically, if you dare to look at statistics, you will see how important a dad is in the process of success for the whole family. Now, this culture, this day and age, they want to trash the dad. He, in, in, on you know, the TV sitcoms, he's got to be the dumbest, stupidest person in the whole program. Even the four-year-old's going, yeah, dad, what are you, an idiot? <laughs> yeah, son, I guess I am. <laughs> And everybody's laughing, ha ha, how stupid he is. There's a reason why this stuff is being promoted this way. And I understand we, we go through the process being desensitized, but you need to understand something. There is a devil, this is his world, and he has an agenda. And if you don't wake up to it, you become like most people do. You move next to a dump in your new house. I'm talking about a city dump and you hate the smell. But the longer you live there, the more comfortable you get with the smell. And all of a sudden, you don't even smell anything. And someone comes over and goes, man, how do you stand the smell? And you're like going, I don't smell nothing. Are you guys hearing me? You know this to be true. That's what we do. We stop looking at life correctly because we let a little of the leaven, the little bit of the yeast in our lives and it starts affecting us to where we don't really care. And we don't want to go that way. Why? Because we're supposed to become more like Jesus, more like the Father. And that's going to lean us toward a life of freedom based on truth, His truth, which is life truth. And that's where we all want to be. Listen, if you think this information leads you to become more irrelevant, more of a, you are a goofy person, you don't even have any, I don't know why you're on this earth, then you're not learning this truth. Because learning this truth makes you a very awesome person, a caring person, a loving person, a trustworthy person, a person of integrity, a person of character. Now you might be going, I don't know about that because you've been listening to religious Christians that don't have character. They'll listen to the teaching, go out there at lunch and trash everybody in the church. And we think that's the picture of a spiritual Christian. No, that's a picture of a demonic idiot that goes to church. Even if they have a title on their name, the point is, is that's not true followers of Jesus. True followers of Jesus are the ones that are learning and growing. And we're going to do dumb, but we're going to realize that was dumb. Let's move on. Not try to spiritually convince you that I'm spiritual. So let me trash talk your wife. Let me speak ugly about your husband because I'm spiritual. No, you're not. You're a Pharisee. You're a Sadducee. And I don't have to say anything about what that means. Find out what Jesus called them and go from there. <laughs> Moving right along. Y'all, listen, y'all smile because you, you, you're looking a little guilty, some of you. Just don't act like I'm talking to you. Just look forward and smile. That's the best way to be. Come to church, smile all the time, and leave. If you're upset, get mad out there. No one will ever see it. Right? See, that's the thing about online watching. They can be flipping it off right now, but I don't know. Is that blankety blank plaster think he is? I know who I am. Do you know who you are? 
Let's move on. Jesus went to Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? Can you see this picture? Now think about this. You got Jesus coming on the scene, 30 years old. 30 years old. First prophecy is in Genesis. Remember after the fall of Adam and Eve? The serpent will be um, bruised by the heel, right? Or the head will be bruised. And so that prophecy is 4,000 years later. And this Jesus comes on the scene. And as a matter of fact, we have Jesus born on this earth. And he doesn't start his ministry till 30 years old. At 12, he tried to, you know, uh, get in a little bit, you know, into his will. And his parents had to pull him back. Remember when they took him to, it was, um, I, I forgot which, which time it was as far as which feast it was. But they took them, him to Jerusalem, I believe it was. And they were there for a day. And then they left and they were gone in a day's journey. And they realized, where's Jesus? If you're a parent, some of you have probably experienced something just like I'm talking. Now, it might not have been a day. That would have been freaky. I mean, if it was a day, they call the police on you. But I know some parents that have forgot their kids. I have never done that. Halo time. But you know, you get busy, you're doing, and you think, well, maybe they took them and he took them. And you know, listen, back in the day, you know, the men and women were like holding hands together. Oh, we're going to Jerusalem. La, 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 la. No, the men were hanging out with the men. The women were hanging out with the women and doing the, you know, and, and everybody's doing their thing and they're all in a caravan. So Jesus, you know, he's 12 years old. He's cool. He's messing around here. He's going up to his dad over here and his mom over here. And, and, and so they get to the place they're, they're, they need to be. They take care of business. They leave a day later. And all of a sudden, Mary sees Joseph and says, where's Jesus? And Joseph goes, Where, where's Jesus? You don't have him? No, I thought you had him. No, I thought you had him. Where? Where's our Jesus? Anybody see Jesus? And they start going to the caravan. Where's Jesus? Anybody see Jesus? No, they go, no. And they're going, oh my gosh, a day back. They got to go a day back to Jesus. Wait, I ain't done yet. Then they got to look a whole day for him. They don't even find him right away. Three days have been missing now. Where's Jesus at? Church. Church. Jesus doing the church thing at 12 years old. Man, I love that. I love that. I want my, they're not 12 anymore, but I want my 12-year-olds plus to be found in church. And guess where we found our kids when we left them? In church, yeah! Oh, we're lined up right with Jesus' family. So, so what does that say? It says, listen, Jesus at 12 years old was saying, chill, I, I, I'm about my father's business. And they're like going, oh no, you aren't, boy. Get over here and let's go. No, he was submitted to their authority. 
he did make it clear that, listen, I'm about, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into this. I'm serious about my, my destiny. And what did they do? Vamanos, let's go. And they get him and they take him. And guess what? We don't hear from Jesus until he was 30. What does that mean? He was grounded for a long time. I believe once he had 30, they were like going, okay, you got to get out of the house. <laughs> this has been a long time. How can he talk that way? This is Bible stuff. Because that's why I can talk that way. It is Bible stuff. And that's why it's simple to talk that way. Now, there was a day when I never could, but then it was religious then. And y'all would be going to hell just if, even if you frowned at me, you'd be going to hell. All right, let's move on. Y'all with me? All right. So Jesus is showing up. John's, he's, he's baptizing people. And he's actually yelling at the religious people. I mean, John's like, ah! No, he is. How do I know this? Because the dude only ate grasshoppers <laughs> and camel's hair. No, 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 listen. He didn't have like Hanes underwear underneath it. There was a time when I went hunting. I carry a wool sweater to put or put over if it gets, if the temperature drops really, you know, a major drop, if there's a change in the weather. So I'll put, I have this wool, and I don't have any more, but I had this wool sweater that was big. It was like XXX, large, so that I could flip it over stuff because wool will keep you warm. And it was only for emergencies. So I'd have it in their bag. Well, when I was hunting, I crossed the stream and I tripped and fell in the water. The water was approximately 28, 25 degrees because it was wintertime, snow, ice everywhere. I'm soaking wet. So I had to pull everything off and all I had was that wool thing. And I put that thing on. No t-shirt, wool on skin. You're gonna be one of the meanest, onriest person on planet earth. Yeah, I baptized. What of it? Yeah, yeah. Repent, you idiots. Anybody want to baptize? Who wants to baptize? Next. Jesus comes on the scene. He's like going, oh my gosh. All right, I'm next. And all of a sudden, John looks at him and goes, oh no, I can't baptize you. You're out of your mind. You need to baptize me. And now you're seeing John, aren't you? Before it was like, our Lord is Jesus. How will be who you are to me? No. He like, and this wasn't the first time they met. And you're like, what, 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 what do you mean? When they meet before? They met before when John was in Elizabeth's belly and Jesus was in Mary's belly and they got close and John went, hey, there he is in the belly. That wasn't like pizza causing it. He jumped for joy. Can you imagine that? John's in the belly of Elizabeth going, boom, that is, boom. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> all right, whatever. There he is. So th this is going on. Now they're face to face. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. And, and, John, and, and, and Jesus goes up and says, listen, guy, I need you to baptize me. 
Otherwise, we're screwing up the Old Testament. There's prophecies that you got to do this. So, hey, let's get it done. Isaiah and Ezekiel, you want to call them liars? Got a point, got a point, Jesus. Yo, buddy. Come on, cuz. I'll dump you down. Boom. Jesus comes up. John baptized Jesus. Jesus is standing there, water's pouring off him. All of a sudden, Holy Spirit, the gentle dove, like a dove, not a dove, comes and flutters over him. And all of a sudden, the words of God proclaim something very powerful. This is my beloved son in whom I am greatly pleased. Can you imagine that? Now, why is this so powerful that God made the statement to his son? Uh, no, because I'm a dad and I'd make that son statement to my son. It wouldn't be a difficult statement to make. The thing I got to look at is, is the timing of it. Because Jesus hasn't done anything. As a matter of fact, he got water baptized by John. He didn't do it on himself. Isn't that interesting? So God, the father, makes a statement to the son, and he hasn't healed anyone. He hasn't set anyone free. No miracles have been done. And his statement is, I love this boy. He's all that. See, why is that important? Because this picture, this truth is in there for us to see, for us fathers to see, for all of us to look at and realize, wait a minute, this viewpoint I have of the God up there that is talked about by Jesus as father looks down at his son and makes a statement before he's done anything at all for him. Interesting. How's that relate to me? It's my whole identity. You see, once you receive Jesus, you become a child, a son or daughter of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, that statement is made over you before you do anything. It's before you go to Love Life University or before God goes, wait a minute, let me see a year of his church attendance. Let me, let me see, how, are they going to get involved or not? Let me see if they good, take good notes to my favorite son, Pastor Dan. Did I just say that? That was maybe led by the Holy Spirit. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. No, not really, but I am. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? In other words, we believe we got to have a process of, look, am I good enough? Look how good I am. I'm perfect. I memorized scripture. I read the Bible in one year. Okay, not all of it. Leviticus was hard, but almost all of it. Am I, am I good? Am I, do you, am I your beloved son? Do you love me? Because look at all I've done. No, that's not how God goes. That's not how God lives. That's not how God is. 
And that is so beautiful to see and so beautiful to hear because I want you to know right now that that's exactly what God's speaking over your life. The moment you receive Jesus, God goes, that's my son. That's my daughter. I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. And you're like going, what do you mean? I just got saved. I was a drug addict. And God's like going, I'm pleased with you. I was, you know, I did this. I just robbed. I'm pleased with you. You see, you have to look at truth or you'll never have change. Religion will never change you. Never. Never. Everybody has a bad past. Everybody has this ugly picture. And you might be thinking, I don't know, we were brought up morally. A religious life is just as bad as any life. Remember, it's the religious people that hung Jesus on the cross, not the dope addicts, not the prostitutes. So don't go this, no, we didn't even cuss at my home. I could care less. If you feel you're so moral, morally superior, you're a Pharisee, and that's how you're brought up. And you think, well, I didn't do all these things. It doesn't matter. We all have the fallen nature. We all have the sin nature. Good or extremely bad is a fallen nature that has to be changed. And the only way that nature is changed is by receiving Jesus. And once you receive Jesus in your life, you become a new creation. Old, old things are passed away. What does that mean? Old nature is no longer there. New nature comes alive. You may be thinking, then why do I do what I've... Right here. This. This memory. This, this, this place where you've stored all your way of living now has to be, Romans 12, 2, renewed. You've got to start taking out stuff and putting new in. Otherwise, you stay on that same program, though you're a new creation, you stay in the same program. You've got to change the information. If you don't change the information, you'll stay on the same program. Y'all gotten this? Everybody's getting this? All right, good, good. Okay, so Jesus gets this awesome, awesome proclamation from God, and then what's the next thing that happens? And this is what's crazy. You think that proclamation, and then he says, everybody line up, I'm healing everybody. You think that would be it, right? I mean, I do. You think, here God says, my beloved son, I'm well pleased. And all of a sudden he just starts going, okay, lepers, this line. Okay, blind over here, help the blind. Okay, lame, I'll come to you. Right? Well, pastor, I don't think that way. Well, then please try starting that way. It becomes more real to you. And what happened? God goes, now I need to take you somewhere. Why? Is this, is this only about Jesus? Or is it about us? See, everything about Jesus is about us. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Well, is it about Jesus? Or is it about us? Exactly. It is about you. It is about me. See, this information is what transformed my life. Not the years of being a Christian, not, the, not years going to Bible college. That didn't do nothing. This information, when this information started getting into my life is what changed me. Then for other stuff was just stuff, information. It's all. This stuff is life. 
Understanding the reason for the prophets in the Old Testament and the minor prophets and, and the reason for in the Psalms and how the different Psalms are written and the understanding of how they're written. That doesn't make a better marriage. That doesn't make you a better father or mother. It doesn't do anything to you. It just gives you information. I'm not saying it's bad to understand that. It's pretty cool to know how the Old Testament was written and why, how many books are in the Bible and how long it's taken, how many authors over 2,000 years. That's all good, okay, that's all good. But it ain't gonna change your life. It ain't gonna be, make you a, a person of integrity at all, at all. This stuff, this information I'm teaching you right now, getting this stuff in you is what transforms your life. It's what changes you because it becomes real, it's relevant, and it's life. I have a purpose. I have a purpose. Not because I know uh, I've studied the Greek language, the Hebrew language. I can look at words and, and, and grasp understanding through roots and things like that. No. It's because I know that I know that I know God loves me. Greatly, by the way. I know that. And I build upon that and it transforms my life. Not because of what they're doing down the street or what someone's doing in here. It's what I choose to live and walk and how I believe and that's why my life is relevant. I'm not a mimic. I'm not a copycat. I'm who I am. And I want you to be just that way. But a little like me. Mimic me as I mimic Christ. Not be like me. Information. Understanding. You got that? Everybody got that? Y'all good? Everybody good out there? All right. Let's move on. So we have the process of Jesus being baptized, God said, this is my beloved son. And now you have what? Him being led into the wilderness. Isn't that interesting? The wilderness, not Miracle City, the wilderness. And that's so powerful and important to understand because it is a picture of life. Because what are we living in? A wilderness. All of us, we are being tempted and tried and tested on a continuous basis every single day, every day. Jesus went into the wilderness to show us something that wasn't done before because everybody else that went in the wilderness, they failed. They were tempted and they failed. They were tested and they failed. Trials, everything, failure, failure, failure. And what happened? They lost everything that belonged to them, everything. And the only people that were able to receive the promises and covenant of God were the ones that kept pressing in. They kept pressing in. They didn't allow themselves to get in their way. Do not lean to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with everything within you. Are you guys getting this? All right. James 1, 2 through 4 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. How would you love to live a life where you didn't have no lack anywhere? 
<laughs> yeah, everybody's going to go, I would. We don't want to raise our hands because we're not sure that really means what it says. In the Greek language, it means exactly that. Not lacking anything. A life where you're not lacking anything. That's awesome. I'll take that. I want some of that. What do I need? Perseverance. I need to be able to persevere. I need to, what does that mean? I'm going to go through some pressures in life. I'm going to, a temptation is going to come my way. I'm going to walk in a test. Either way, my end result should be to get through everything. No matter what it is, get through it. Get through it. Win, be success, successful in the test, overcome the temptation, and press on through the trial. That's what I'm going to do. That's what, that's all out there in life. All that. And God does what? He brings Jesus into the wilderness. We receive Jesus, beloved children, and we're in the wilderness. And the enemy is going to come and attack us. And we're going to take a look at this because this is very, very powerful. But I want you to look at verse 13 of James 1. And it says this, when you're tempted, now this is, he's not talking about tests. He's talking about tempted. When you're tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. So you can't say God is tempting Jesus because he wasn't. He was bringing him in the wilderness. There was a test that was taking place a test against the enemy, not a temptation, a test. God doesn't read on. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. How many people? No one. He doesn't tempt anyone. If you think God's tempting you, you don't know the Bible because it isn't God. The devil could be, the pizza could be, the flesh, your brother or sister, your aunt or uncle, a friend at work, the, the temptations can come, but do not say God's doing it. That is such a religious cop-out because it's like, well, God tempted me, I failed, but he tempted me. The Bible's very clear. Don't say God tempted you, ever. God doesn't tempt. Don't say he does. I mean, you'll hear TV, TV preachers go, well, you know, sometimes God will tempt you. And you're like going, dude, are you, you just said that? Get them off the TV. But they do stuff like this all the time. That's why I don't pay attention to any of that Christian goofiness on TV or radio. Anyway, moving right along. God doesn't tempt anyone. Now, let me give you a picture of test versus temptation. Temptation is the pressure to give in through influences that lead you into sin. Pressures that are leading you to sin or to move away from God. That's a temptation. God is not bringing Jesus into evil. He's taking him to the wilderness where the enemy is going to tempt his son. And that's what you need to see. Jesus fasts in the wilderness for 40 days. Remember Israel, when they came out of Egypt, God wanted them to go through the wilderness. He wanted them to go through the wilderness to the promised land. They chose to stay in the wilderness. 
and they had to stay there for 40 years and they died there. The second generation came out of the wilderness to take the promised land. It was God's promise. He had to get it through their children instead of them. They chose this. They chose to be tempted, fail in the temptation and stay there. Any Christian in here or out there, you've been tempted and you failed, but you got up. Bravo for you, sir. Bravo for you, ma'am. Bravo. Because I'm going to tell you right now, don't ever think you never will fall. You never will stumble. That is religion. That's people that are acting super spiritual on Facebook, making you try to think they're so godly, but you don't know their lives. I, I, I'm, I'm not like a Facebook fan, by the way, but anyway, I know you couldn't tell that, but let's move right on. Hebrews 2.18. And if you do Facebook, I'm not saying you're bad. So don't go that way and don't get all guilty and condemn. Well, pastor doesn't like it. It doesn't matter what I like if you like it. Like it all you want. Just understand there's a lot of fake book in that Facebook. All right, moving right along. Hebrews 2.18. Because Jesus experienced temptation when he was suffered, he was able to help others when they were tempted. Jesus was tempted so that he could help us. Can you imagine if he doesn't become tempted? So he goes in the test. He, he's, there's no problem. The test is no big deal. I'm in the wilderness. I'm there. I'm not doing the ministry. I'm not healing the sick. I'm not raising the dead. This is what he proclaimed that everybody will know the Messiah is here. He's not doing that. He's in the beginning of his ministry in a wilderness. But what does he do? He's being led by God. The Holy Spirit leads him. And why doesn't Jesus reject that leading? Because he's being led. He's submitted to the leading of the Father. And because of that, he knows this fact and this statement. You are going to always be taken care of being led by God, even in the quarantine wilderness. No matter what is out there, no matter what's going on out there, we're being led by God. And he will always take care of his own. Always. I like what David says. I've never seen the righteous forsaken and I've never seen his seed begging for bread. I love that. See, that's our position in God's kingdom to have provision. To always have his provision over our lives. My goodness, man, some of you even in here, you got to get this Bible information in you to see how valuable you are to him. Out of the statements of Jesus shows the passion of the Father for each and every one of you. I mean, God, Jesus would share information like your father knows. How many know? You know what a sparrow is, right? They're like the birds, like there's, they're innumerable. Like you can count eagles or you can count hawks. But when it comes to sparrows, it's like, whatever, you know, there's too many. How many eagles are there? There's 3,942 in Arizona. How many sparrows? <laughs> Who knows? There's too many of them. Exactly. And then God says this, five sparrows are sold for pennies. 
And your father knows those five sparrows. And then he says this, your father knows the number of how many hairs are on your head. You don't think he cares? You don't think he's, he's, he's that intimate with you? Oh no, he is. It's just you're not receiving that. He wants that. He wants that connection. He's talking about sparrows where there are a dime a dozen that he knows when they're gone. And then he looks at us and we look at God like, oh, he's too busy, he's too old, he's too out there. But that is religion. That's what I'm saying. This is our, our program for religious people because they, they look at this and it's restricted. I don't like it. I don't like it because it's scripture and it sets free and it's truth. And all of a sudden, you don't have nowhere to put your legalistic works and your, I'm better than you and I do much more than you. And that's why God uses me. No, no, no. Those are all lies. Those are all lies. God wants you free. That's what Jesus said. He says, I've come to set you free. We need to be free. Amen? We need to be free. Praise God. Jesus was being led for a test, but the enemy was there to tempt. Matthew 4.1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Matthew 3, um, Matthew verse 2, 4-2. For 40 days, 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. 40 days, 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Y'all with me? Follow this. He becomes very hungry. When does the devil come? Not first day, not seventh day, not 20th day. When's he come? He comes when there's a major need. There's a desire now. Day 39, Jesus isn't, he, he's feeling it, but it's not that big a deal. Day 40, he now is very hungry. And then the enemy shows up. Important pictures, important pictures. See, we, we, we have the tendency we want to make big decisions when we're very hungry or very hurt or very confused or very anything, and then we want to make a decision. And this is what you have to understand, that the enemy is right in front of your face right now. And you have to have the wisdom, the understanding of how to deal with the situation at hand. And this is what we're going to look at real quick. The devil comes to Jesus. During that time, the devil comes to him and he says, if you're the son of God, what do he say? If you're the son of God, he didn't say, if you can do miracles, if you can raise the dead. No, if you're the son of God, Jesus, 30 years, starts ministry, baptized, pleased by the father, goes into the wilderness. The first attack of the enemy, pay attention. The first attack of the enemy is against what? His identity. I've seen it over and over and over. It was the first attack on me when I was a young Christian, brand new in this stuff. And the enemy had me for a few months. 
had my life, almost killed me. Because of what? Because he attacked that I was saved, that God loved me, and I fell for it. I didn't know any better. I didn't know anything when I was early Christian. Nothing. And I fell for it. I go, I am. I'm no good. I'm a bad person. How could I have done this? I, 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 can, I can never. I'm, I, I'm going to hell. And the devil's like going, yeah, true. Yeah, you're no good. I know I'm no good. Yeah, you're no good. I'm terrible. Yeah, you're really terrible. And just played with me. And I believed every word. Why? Because I didn't know any better. I didn't know information. I didn't have anything. The sad thing is, is when you get to that place, you start shutting the doors from people that can help you. Because I was under so much condemnation, so much guilt, I started closing doors on those that led me to Jesus and those that were helping me walk this walk. And when they called, I wouldn't answer. When they knocked on the door, I was afraid. I didn't open the door. When my mom called, my, my, my apartment complex that I led to Jesus all started going, where's Danny? That's what they call me. Where's Danny? How come, he did, what's, how come no one's seen him? Where's he at? He still lives there. He doesn't answer. He doesn't do it. How come? What's going on? I heard it. I saw it. My mom's prayers, my, my dad's, everybody's praying. Everybody's bleeding for me. And I'm hiding. I'm scared. But in that midst of it, I'm also going out and partying. Is this crazy? Why? You will always go back to what you used to do. Always. A pit, you know, the dog goes back to its vomit. Man, I was living in my vomit. Not literally. I mean, I mean, there were very many times I was in my vomit, but um, that's, uh, that's a whole different story. But anyway, the point is, is I went, but see, the, the person of my past, a guy that I partied big time with, came back from Chicago and called me. But also, another thing took place called free cable in my apartment complex. No, I'm not kidding. This is the whole, this is the setup. Free cable, showtime in my apartment complex. I'm single. And all of a sudden, late night, turning the channels, there's some nasty stuff coming on. Little bit of stuff entering into my heart. He then calls me. Hey, let's go out. I'm already been, I'm already dirty. That one time of looking and feeling guilty. How could I have done it? How could I watch it? And all of a sudden I'm feeling bad. And he was going, yeah, you're disgusting. How could, you're not even saved. How could you be saved to even do that? See, I wasn't brought up in the word. I was brought up religiously at that time. It was all about legalism. It was all about don't do, don't do, be this way, be that way. So I didn't have a lot of information you guys do. And I fell hard. And so I succumbed to it. This was a two-month period, not two years, two months. And I went big time hard. I did things I never did before. Drugs I never did before. Just some, it was crazy. The devil's going to kill me. And what happened is, is TBN, crazy lady Jan Crouch, where people look at and make fun of, and they're in heaven right now, but, you know, she was, she was like goofy lady. I mean, crazy lady. She saved my life through God. I was about ready to go out again. And I was just, I, I just was waiting for the ride, turning channels. And all of a sudden she's on there and I paused. And the moment I paused on that channel, she literally went like this. Paul, Paul, to her husband. Paul, Paul, stop. 
there's a young man out there. I got to talk to him. I went, Oh my God. She goes, I need to tell you, I need to warn you right now. And you know, she's got all of a sudden, she's got like three pounds of makeup on and she starts crying. The Lord is telling me right now, you need to hear, you need to hear me tell you this right now. This is for you. I'm going, oh my God, what is going on? She's talking to me and she goes, the enemy, the devil's going to kill you. He's got a trap. This trap is, you, you've been through this. You've been going through this, but this trap is, is it's, this is the last one. You've got to come back home. And I went, I'm coming back home. And I fell on the ground. I started crying. Oh, Jesus, I got me. She goes, that's right. Pray, pray. And she's doing all this stuff. And I'm going, ah. And all of a sudden, my phone starts ringing. I get on the phone. It's my mom. Were you watching Chad cross? I go, yeah. And we're all crying and crying. And all of a sudden, I call my friends up. And they're going, were you watching TV? This is crazy stuff going on. See, I know I've experienced that. And I never turned back since that day. Never. Never. There's never been a drive or a desire at all. Have I been perfect since then? Heck no. No way. But I do know this because I heard something. And the voice of the Father, first time I've ever heard this, audibly, he said, Daniel. Because I asked him, I said, why'd you leave me? He said, Daniel, I never left you. I will never forsake you. You left me. Oh my gosh. That's all I needed. And from that day, no matter what, doesn't matter what, but I do understand. I do know. And that's why when Jesus says in a word, I've been tempted in all points in every way that you're tempted, but I've overcome them but I can understand what you're going through because I've been there. And that's what happened to Jesus. The enemy came and tempted him and said, if you're the son of God. And that's what the devil's gonna do. He's gonna come right at you and go, yeah, you think you're a Christian? If you were, if you're a Christian, why'd you do that? He's gonna attack identity. First thing, identity. You wanna be the best dad? You wanna be the best follower of Jesus? Understand this, when you're born again, God the Father says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. I'm well pleased. And you haven't done squat. And understand this and never forget this. We were made righteous and Jesus was crucified while we are the worst people on planet earth. Don't ever forget that. It wasn't when we were better or we stopped doing bad things. No. It was when we were at our worst. Christ died for us. These are the facts of the word of God. How do we overcome? How do we get more strong in this walk and be able to overcome temptations, be able to win in the test? It's to understand who we are. I am a child of God and that will never change. My sons could move to Africa when we allow them when they're like 80. But, but it doesn't matter. They'll all be, always be my sons. It doesn't change that fact. They can change their name. 
They can change the way they talk, the way they dress. It doesn't matter. They're still my sons. It won't change no matter what. That's what you need to understand. It will never change. So here you've got to know that when you are a child of God, you cannot be works driven. It's not about performance, people. It's about walking out this thing of this new birth. You are a child of God. Now start growing up as a child of God. Amen. The next stage is, is he then, the, the, it says, Jesus said to him, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He said, what? The enemy says, prove it. Change these stones into bread. Jesus said, no. And actually in the Greek exclamation, he goes, no. The scripture says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's saying, God's my provider. I don't need to do something like that for provision. I don't need to perform for you. God provides. God provides. And the enemy's trying to get him to do something. Prove it. Prove it. Prove it. He does it all the time. Prove it. Prove it. He wants you to get into a works. He can get you there. Then he can get you in condemnation. Because y'all know you ain't going to keep it up. We want to look at this stuff and we want to have a transformed life. But listen, truth without action is not going to help us. And it's time for us to get this information and start working this information. Everybody got that? I'm not trying to make Father's Day be a little rough for you. I'm trying to get you roughened up. Tougher. That's all. I want men to be men. I want fathers to rise up and go, you know what? I have a responsibility to lead my home. Not sit back and burp on the lazy boy and watch church and then prioritize everything else. It's time to get aggressive in your walk. It's time to recognize the destiny of God is on your life now, not tomorrow. It's time for us all to understand that. Hey, if you're in here or if you're out there, your attitude has to change to the word of God, period. And if it isn't changing, then you're off, you're wrong. Every day should be a day of wanting more. Do more, to experience more, to help more, to impact more every single day. Because that's why we're still here. Jesus needs you. Amen. The father needs you. The work has to continue. That's why we're here. That's why we have a Bible. That's why Jesus came. He did this for three and a half years to say, disciples, I need you to continue this work and change this world. Can we do that? Let's be those people. Amen. We can live life large. We can have the greatest vacations, the greatest families, the greatest jobs, greatest employees, greatest employers. We can be all that. But we have an understanding of what this life is about. Amen. We're relevant believers. Amen. Relevant. Y'all ready for the word of life for you out there, for you in here? It starts with Jesus. Jesus is that word. You receive him in your life. And God, the father says, this is my beloved son or daughter. I would like you, if you've not received Jesus, everyone out there, I'd like you right now to call on the name of Jesus and receive him in your life and experience exactly what Jesus experienced after he came up from the water. And that is a proclamation of the father over your life as his child. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, 
I call on your name right now. I ask you to save me. I want you in my life and I want my life to be part of the Father's. Thank you, Jesus, for answering my prayer. Thank you for forgiving me, setting me free. I receive it all in Jesus' name. If you prayed this prayer in there, in here this morning, just lift your hands. If you prayed out there online, just press that little button and we welcome you to the family of God. We welcome everyone. If you have not received Jesus in here, okay, we thank you right now for this wonderful day, this beautiful day of Father's Day. And Father, I bless the fathers. I bless the dads. And I speak life that they will rise up to be the priests of their homes. They will walk in the life of Jesus with the understanding of the word of God. They are prioritized the kingdom above all things. And by doing this, they will walk in their true identity of sons of God. I pray for the church, men and women, that they will recognize the responsibility to mature and grow in their new identity in Christ Jesus. And that we will realize the importance of knowing how God feels about us over how we feel about us. And we thank you, Father, for it. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. All right, y'all, love you guys. You're blessed. See ya. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.